it's Tia. It's been a Mississippi minute, but we bite, baby. What's up, Pink Posse? It's your girl, Ja. And yep, we back at it like a crack addict. It's your girl, Jiggy, a.k.a. Tanika. Listen, pull up on us. It's time to cut up, because we back. What's up, Pink Posse? It's your girl, Koji, and we're back. Pink Sunday Radio. of Pink Sunday Radio. I have my lovely co-host here with me today, Tia. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> ja. What's up, Pink Posse? And Jiggy. Hey, y'all. We also have our guest here with us, award-winning film and television director, Miss Christine Swanson. Hello. Thank, thank you so much for joining us. Um, before we get into the questions, we're going to have Ja give us our disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. Pink Sunday Radio is rated mature for language and subject matter, viewer and listener discretion is advised. Yes, language. Thank you so much, Ja. <laughs> um, I want to also remind you guys that we're on StreamYard, of course, and we are across Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. So if you have any comments, make sure you leave them in the YouTube, Facebook. We will see them here in StreamYard, okay? So, and if you want to pop into the studio, feel free to do so. Our co-host does have a link that will be put out there. All right, so without further ado, Miss Christine Swanson, please introduce yourself to our audience. The floor is yours. Okay, hello everybody. I'm, I'm Christine Swanson. I'm a filmmaker and also a TV director, and I, I'm the director of episode 203 of P-Valley. Um, I've directed numerous television shows and and movies. I think the last movie I did of note would be the Clark Sisters, um, which aired on on Lifetime. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm currently working on in post on another movie uh, that will be. Um, we don't know. I did it independently, so we hope that it will be okay. out soon. And it's it's okay. going to be like a mega. It's going to be epic. It really? will be absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm so excited. I, I'm 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 gonna look forward to that, and and please let us know because we would love to have you on again. Okay. So hey, so that you can promote that. Yeah, My I should add that the movie stars mm -hmm. uh, one of our P Valley co-stars, Jay. Oh, oh, really? Okay, okay. So, we'll right. certainly be doing a watch party as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> of course, it's a romantic uh, dramedy, and he he delivers because he's that he's that guy. 
He's, he's yeah. our generation. <laughs> yes. Marlon Brando, in my humble opinion. I love oh, that. I can see I that. One thousand percent. And you know what? That's kind of a new genre, right? Because I don't think, out of all the projects we've seen, romantic dramedy, it's mm -hmm. kind of new. Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's a romantic comedy, but there's um, the dramatic elements are as important as the comedic elements. So that's uh -huh. why I call it a romantic dramedy. Uh -huh. But it's it's you know, best man is a romantic dramedy. Yeah, but I'm saying okay. for him, for Alphonse, oh, I've never oh, seen yeah, him do that. Let me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't even gonna believe this dude in this movie. He I'm so excited. Oh, electric. In in a yes, in a romantic. Um, he's a um, bona fide romantic leading man in this movie. Okay. Really? With playing opposite. Um, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you guys, I guess. But um, th there's this actress who 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 was the. Uh, uh, she was the original Angelica Schuyler. In on Hamilton, mm -hmm. um, her oh. name is her name is Renee Elise Goldsberry. So, let's really? just say what they bring to the screen is unlike anything you've ever seen before, and anything you'll ever see again. Okay, with that exclusive. Oh my God! Pink Sunday Radio exclusive. Yeah, it actually is. So you guys are the first to know this. I'm editing it now, and every scene that I have with Alphonse, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this guy is everything. Everything. He's so, a great actor, so he is. He is. He's gracious. amazing. Mm -hmm. He's amazing. He's a, he's a great person he to is. us and generous to us he he's is. so humble like just to us in general the this the radio like he's amazing to us and yeah. if you ever met him in person you can't i have he's great okay. mm -hmm. you can't talk with him for five minutes before he's talking about his wife nafisha Okay, yeah. pretty baby. Yes, it's pretty baby. Oh my God. I, I love that about him. Like he is a cash. He's like, have you met my wife, Nafisha? And she's just lovely and beautiful. And they just mm -hmm. they, they just love on each other. And I'm just mm -hmm. I'm just proud to have been able to work with him. Um, you know, in another way and to show mm -hmm. another light uh, on him that I think that he really uh, takes over. So. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, thank you so much for sharing that because oh I was not I am so excited. I know. I'm, I'm like trying to hold it together just because, I mean, yeah, that's everything. I'm going to pivot just a little bit. My first question to you is mm -hmm. Spike Lee was your directing teacher. Like, yes legendary Spike Lee. Sure. Yes. What are some of the gems that okay. he gave to you and that has you've taken with you throughout your journey in filmmaking? So here, here's an interesting story. Mm -hmm. I was a freshman. I, I, I grew up in Detroit and mm -hmm. I attended the University of Notre Dame, which is right next door in Indiana. Mm -hmm. And I decided to study finance and Japanese, because Japanese was popular back then. And I mm -hmm. thought if I study finance, oh, I could get a job. And back then, my generation, our parents was just like, you're going to college. 
and we're just proud of that. Just go to college, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. We we can't tell you what to study, but just graduate, you know. Mm-hmm. So our job was to just get a good job, right? So I was a finance major when Spike Lee came to the University of Notre Dame to talk about do the right thing. And when I heard him talking, I kid you not, a light bulb went off and I was like, oh, people make movies for a living? I had no idea. I had mm-hmm. no idea. But because of Spike Lee, both my husband and I, who also went to the University of Notre Dame, we were mm-hmm. there together. We changed our majors. Um, he was a government major. He changed it to film production. I changed mine to film theory. And I did research on Spike Lee and learned that he went to NYU film school, graduate mm-hmm. film school, mm-hmm. after he attended Morehouse. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's what I got to do, right? So after I finished Notre Dame, I applied to NYU film school, got in, and Spike Lee was my directing teacher my last year at NYU. So the first thing that I learned from Spike Lee mm-hmm. is that you could be a filmmaker and you can make a living out of it. And I would not have known that otherwise if not for him. So to this day, I'm always <laughs> grateful to Spike Lee for being um, really a, a, a role model in mm-hmm. that way. Now, it's funny because Spike, so many people have come up in my generation and we've become, become filmmakers because of him. And he's kind of like, I think he's a little bit over it. He's like, <laughs> yes, yes, I know, I know. But <laughs> just being that first example was everything. And mm-hmm. then leading me to NYU, him as my professor, what was beautiful about him being a professor is he's just like an open book. Mm. If you met him in person, he's not an open book. But if you see him in classrooms as a professor, he's an open book. So he shares oh, okay. with you really his journey, his wisdom, his his um, ideas, and, and his advice. So I just kind of took all of that in. But the main thing that I took away from Spike Lee was that he first started out doing things independently. And, and created a voice for himself before the industry told him who he was, before the industry mm-hmm. said to him what you had to do. So mm-hmm. I just took that on as kind of like the, the model that I should follow. And I really just followed in those footsteps because I didn't know any different because mm-hmm. that's what Spike did. So that is the beauty of having Spike having gone before us mm-hmm. and just following in that model. And since then, I've kind of broken away and tried to create uh, a voice for myself. Um, but it all started with Spike Lee visiting the University of Notre Dame my freshman year. Wow. That's an incredible story. I love that. Mm-hmm. Just a life-changing moment for you that changed your whole trajectory of your career moving forward. That's amazing. It, it is. And this is this is the um, this is the way that we have to treat mentors because if I saw Spike on a street, he wouldn't know me from Adam. Mm-hmm. So one of the things mm-hmm. that I've learned is is like you he can pour into you, right? Mm-hmm. And I learned what I needed to learn, but you have to go out and then create your own path. So mm-hmm. it's like I'm not I'm not calling Spike talking about, hey, let me just get your advice on this, that, the other. I have other people in that lane now, but mm-hmm. sometimes you can use people as as a model to follow, and then you gotta forge your own path. You know, and, mm-hmm. and that's why I, I want everybody to learn, because sometimes you may not have access to Spike Lee. You may mm-hmm. not have access to Denzel Washington, but certainly you can study what they do and what they've done to get to where they're where they are and where they're going. And you can that's accessible now more so than ever. And you mm-hmm. use that information to forge your own path. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, yeah, that's, that's what I did. So 
Well, that kind of leads into my question. So a lot of the people we have on in like directing and writing and that kind of stuff, they they kind of like grew up wanting to do it, went to, you know, maybe even a, a performing arts a high school, college, and then went directly into their career. But your path is a little different because mm-hmm. you took 15 years off to I raise did. your kids I and kind of come in, kind of came in what would be for most people mid-career. Yes, How do you yeah. think that affected you? Were there, mm-hmm. What are the pros and cons of having done it that way okay so here's some things like it, it's just i'm not just a filmmaker um i'm also i'm, I'm a black woman in america right mm-hmm. um i was i was raised by like my my grandmother and my great aunt not my not even by my own mother i'm half korean and my, my parents divorced and, and my black dad from detroit and my grandmother and my great aunt they raised me right mm-hmm. so I have always seen like black women do what they do in terms of raising a family and working like nonstop, mm-hmm. you know, really to put me on the path that, that I, I was able to go on. Mm-hmm. So I just always had that in mind, right. That I thought I could do it all like they did, but here's the difference. They had a community of people. It wasn't just my, my grandmother, it was her sister and, and her cousins. And like, we had an extended family of folks. Mm-hmm. And that's just like, kind of like how I was raised. Fast forward to me as an adult and like my husband and I moving to Los Angeles, we had no family, mm-hmm. you know, no extended family. And we had friends, right? But we were all kind of like on that struggle bus trying to figure out like, what do we do to navigate what it is we want to do? And then we also wanted to have a family. So I had my first child when I made my first feature film, which is called All About You, which starred Renee Elise Goldsberry, Lisa Ray, um, Teron Brooks, mm-hmm. Vanessa Bell Calloway. It was, it, it, was a, it was also a romantic. It was more of a romantic comedy. And um, unbeknownst to me, I got pregnant, didn't plan it. Um, but my idea was, you know what? I'm going to have kids. And I'm going to still do my film thing. Um, but then life kicked in. I kid you not. I had that kid and my brain turned to mush. And <laughs> I, could not, I couldn't manage it all, right? Mm-hmm. And I just kind of was fooling myself. Now, I also had a contemporary and, and, and a friend. And she had a son the same age as mine. And we kind of raised our sons together as play, playmates. And we were in a mom's group together called Mocha Moms, right? And her name okay. is Gina Prince Bythewood. Oh, I love Gina. Gina. Gina kept going, but Gina had like two nannies and um, and, and, and she just made it a pro- and only Gina had two kids, two nannies, two kids, um, a nanny, a housekeeper, whatever. She figured out how to manage her life in a way to keep going. I after I had my second kid, I was like, um, I don't know how to do this on my own. And then I had a, I think, and then in my depression, I had two more kids. So I had four kids total. And um, if you ask me today what I would do differently, um, I would not trade in not a one of my kids. So what I would do differently is nothing. Mm-hmm. That is the path God put me on. I would not have put myself on that path. I promise you. Left up to me, this is what this is what I think my life would have looked like. I would have tried to forge ahead and have a career. I may have had one kid, maybe two. And I promise you, I would not have a marriage and my kids would be messed up because I would not have raised them. 
I would not have had the time to raise them because in many ways, uh, what's required in this industry to do what I do as a filmmaker and a TV director is almost sometimes a zero sum game. If you ain't a hundred percent committed, I promise you there's a hundred people waiting to take your place. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's all consuming in a way that I didn't understand. I wouldn't have understood it. And so uh, wisdom dictated that I just walk away for a minute. Mm -hmm. My minute ended up being 15 years, right? Mm -hmm. So we left LA and moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. And we lived there for about five years. And then when we came back to LA, my husband started working at NBC Universal and the, he just worked his way up. And now he's senior VP of production at NBC Universal. So that that's a God story in and of itself. So as he was forging a path in, in, in making his career, I was still raising my children. And then I would say in 2015, um, I met a, uh, an executive in 1999 at Sundance Film Festival. I had a short film at Sundance. And she told me one day when I when I become a producer and executive, I'm going to call you. Right. So fast forward to 2015. And this executive called me and said, I told you I'd call you and I want you to direct this movie for this network that I'm now running called TV One. Right. Uh, My entry back into working was at TV One directing like three movies back to back to back. And honestly, I got my sea legs back because I never lost it. Like, listen, this is the thing I would love to tell women. Like, if you have talent, it doesn't go away, actually. Um, You actually cultivate it and enhance it um, doing Mm -hmm. something else like I did raising four kids. So being a mother and being a director, I'm better, I'm faster, I'm stronger. I don't, nobody's tantrums. Don't bother me. I have four kids. Ain't nothing y'all can do. I have kids vomiting <laughs> and screaming all at the same time. And I still managed to get them to preschool and school, lunch, lunch is packed mm-hmm. and everything. So ain't nothing I can't do like as a mother now. So it really became a superpower. I just didn't know it. I lamented mm-hmm. the years that I had to stay away from working. But in hindsight, like if you met any one of my kids today, uh, and this is what other people tell me, like my husband and I, we're told that we've done a great job with our kids. And the report card on your life, when you get to be my age, is going to be your family. Mm-hmm. It's good. That's or or look, you don't have to have kids. I'm a big proponent of do what you want to do. But if you feel that you're led to also be a mother, like do not let your life and don't let the career of it make you lose out really on another kind of blessing that you don't know and you won't know until you experience it. So I say God gave me a 15 year timeout because I would not have chosen that for myself. So my kids are the greatest blessings that I did not know to ask for. And then you look at somebody like Katori Hall. Katori Hall was pregnant season two with her third <laughs> child. Mm-hmm. Okay, She kept it on the D- DL. Nobody knew. But creative, creatively speaking, like, can't no, ain't, don't nobody measure up to Katori Hall today in the space that she's working in right now. Okay? She got three kids and a husband. So I think, like, you're seeing role models in terms of what's possible. But yeah. let me not... Uh, let me not tell you that 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 it's hard. 
Let me just yeah. say, yeah, it's hard, you know? But like yeah. I, said, I had examples of Black women who had less resources than I do today um, do what they did and raise somebody like me and raise yeah. somebody like my husband and raise yeah. generation of people that you're seeing today. So it's, it's what can't we do? Mm -hmm. yeah. I love that um, <laughs> about your story. Cause I feel like there are a lot of women today who do want to have both the family and the career. And for you to stand here and say, Hey, look, it's okay to take the break if you need to take the break and it's okay to push through if you have the resources to push That's through right. and you know, 15 years, 10 years, 20 years, that doesn't matter. You can still come back and boom, hit it and have the success that you thought you could not have when you were, unless you started when you were like 17, 18, 19. And that kind of leads to a question that I was going to, that I want to ask is about how faith plays that part in your journey, because yeah. we well, kind of just answered that. Like yeah. you push forward and you move you know, away, but what would you say to someone who, you know, is very faith-based and wants to be involved in this industry that sometimes can have such a dark um, shadow over it for different reasons. What would you say to sure. someone? Well, I, I would say this, like it, it's, it's, if you're expecting a cakewalk because you know God, then, then I don't, I would say you have a poor theology mm. because there's nothing about a faith walk does not, that does not include tribulations and trials and tests and, and everything that really is utilized to build character. So, so let me just say me coming back into the industry. Oh my gosh, we could do a whole new segment on <laughs> every friggin' hurdle that I tripped over. It wasn't mm -hmm. graceful. And, and like in every mistake that I made, um, getting to where I am, which, and now I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I just, I don't feel like I am where I could be. So it's still a journey. So I, I would say this, like um, in this life, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So if, if you're a person of faith, you got to know what that scripture is. And you got to mm -hmm. understand that tribulation is coming. It's, it's really, mm -hmm. what is your character made of to deal with the stuff that you have to face? And I don't think people um, who do what I do, talk about that enough. I talk about it all the time. And I'm, I'm, I'm here. I tell women, like mid-career level women, I'm easy to reach. If you need somebody to talk to, talk to me first, because I could tell you what I did and what not to do. Okay. Because a lot of this is, it's just, it's, it's a game and it's posturing and it's really understanding what's needed and what's not needed. And you, you, people sometimes lead with their insecurities uh -huh. and that's the uh -huh. first thing people smell and will take advantage of uh -huh. and will use against you uh -huh. or will undermine you or discourage you. So I like to say like, before you get out there, talk to somebody who's been there before you. Okay. And, and, and figure out what those hurdles are. So instead of tripping over them, like I did, and I'm all fumbling on the floor and I'm like, somebody, Lord, help me. Instead of doing all of that, let's let, let, let me help you, you know, like avoid that. Or let me, I teach a lot of writing workshops. So sometimes in the cities that I might direct a uh, show in, if, if there's somebody on the ground already uh, who can set it up, 
I teach a writing workshop, screenwriting workshop, because I can tell you for sure, like some of y'all Negroes cannot write. (laughs) 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 And here's my theory on it. Um, I've had the blessing of having an education from the top film institution in the country. Um, I have an MFA in directing. I have studied writing. I've studied under a lot of amazing teachers and I figured out a way that, uh, and I teach screenwriting at the University of Georgia to students who don't look like you always, who pay 40, $50,000 in tuition. Like who has that? Mm -hmm. Seriously, in our community, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna teach it to y'all. I'm gonna teach it for darn near free, okay? If you wanna do the work, Let's show up. Not and say free. I said darn near free, you know, but you can get this done in a way where you guys have to know what the tools are. Mm-hmm. See, the thing about us as a community, we don't we we don't lack for innovation. We don't lack mm-hmm. for swagger. We don't mm-hmm. lack for uh, heightened creativity. We mm-hmm. I mean, we do. I mean, we do that in our sleep. But what we lack sometimes is or is, is craft, mm-hmm. uh, just skill set. Mm-hmm. Like what what do I do as a director? You know, really, like when it's when it's on this side of 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 the line where it's corporate, okay. And and it, there's just certain things that we're we don't know. Who's gonna tell us, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And who, yeah. Who's that generous and open in terms of sharing that knowledge? And that's where we have failed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think people are as generous, but I, I disagree. I'm going to contradict myself because a lot of my peers, if you approach them, I think they would be as equally generous. It's like maybe asking the right people. So instead of like just thinking like, I want to do this, let me just go at it and like make a bunch of mistakes. How about talking to some people who made those mistakes so you can kind of avoid them? So that's that's what I think that we can do as a community of people who have not had the advantages of being in this industry for over a hundred years, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're kind of new, right? Mm-hmm. But all our newness is great. Mm-hmm. Listen, even our black bad stuff makes money. I ain't gonna name <laughs> yep. names, fill in the blanks. <laughs> Our bad stuff makes money, <laughs> all right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's like, but we don't want to perpetuate the bad stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, let's get in here and learn the craft. Let's learn the craft, you know, and see how much of it you can use then apply into your work. So when you guys are ready to bust in and break through, you ain't making the same mistakes that we've already made. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So speaking of us as a community, I wanted to pivot to the Clark sisters because mm-hmm. when that movie came out, it was an event on my timeline and Black Twitter. So I right. was wondering, like, the Clark sisters are near and dear to a lot of people. Were you nervous about getting it right? And what was it that you think you said in the interview process mm-hmm. that made them choose you as a director sure. for this film? So... um Yes, I was nervous. It's like I always have a healthy dose of anxiety before I do anything like um, and that just keeps me humble. (laughs) Like it's an internal thing. And I'm like, because if the day I got it all figured out, 
I just feel like I'm going to just mess up royally, you know? So I just, I always have a healthy dose. I, and I say healthy because you could combat the nervousness um, with um, craft, with a vision, with experience. So you put all that on the table, then it manages some of that anxiety and the rest is execution. Okay. So that's, that's how I kind of deal with the nerves because it's always there, but you have to manage those nerves because you want to make room for the, for the sacred to come forward. Okay. And the creativity to bubble to the top. So it's just managing that just enough so that the magic can happen. Okay. And the magic to me, like it's some kind of internal knowing inside of you that um, I could do something with this. Right. You, you got to know that and believe that. And just maybe just a little bit. Okay. You just got a little bit of that. And then uh, that helps you execute. That helps you move forward. That helps you get to the next day. And like, okay, did I get this shot? Did I do this scene right? You know, so you, it's it's a thing that somebody told me one time, asked me, like, hey, how do you eat a brontosaurus burger? Anybody know the Five answer? At a time. One <laughs> bite at a time. One bite at a time. If you just manage it with one bite at a time mentally, you can get through the 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 mountain that you, you're gonna have to climb. Yeah. So what did I do in the interview process? Well, I think the producers approached me. Uh, initially because I directed this movie for TV one called the Mickey Howard story. Yes. And and the Mickey Howard story kind of like just broke through in a way, like kind of like the way the Clark sisters did, but not like if if the Clark sisters were here, Mickey Howard was here. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like this, uh, you know, just a black story that black people love. Right. And so that's why I got the interview, I think for Clark sisters and so when I finally did talk to like the producers for the Clark sisters, like I talked to them, like I'm talking to you now, like, I don't look at things like, uh, like, I hope you can see what I can do. I don't talk like that. I'm like, this is what I'm gonna do. Okay. Like, like, like I knew coming into this, that I could make this a hit movie. I don't know how then I was like, listen, you need to hire me if for no other reason than I'm from Detroit. Like, how are you going to do a movie about Clark sisters and not hire an award-winning director from Detroit? Mm-hmm. You don't get that part right. You're going to fail at every other level. So I essentially mm-hmm. like articulated that left and right. I'm from Detroit. I'm from Detroit. Like I'm from Detroit, you know? So <laughs> like they really had to sleep with that and, and grapple with that because it made sense. And like, I'm not just from Detroit. Like I went, I grew up at Oak Grove AME church in Detroit, you know, in the hood. Like I'm really from Detroit. I'm not from the suburbs. Like I'm a, I'm I'm like a church girl from Detroit. Mm -hmm. Like that is who you want to direct this. So I would say that's, that's the number one thing that the producers got right is that they hired me. And the second thing that they got right is that they hired Anjanue Ellis. Like I didn't pick Anjanou Ellis, like the network and the producers did. And then the rest of it was just kismet. It was like, God just, he just, he just part, you know, opened the oceans for us and, and, uh, and it was like, go. Now it was the hardest film I have ever made in terms of the difficulty of it for on, on a, on a, 
I can't even tell you all the hardships that were uh, part of that production, but here's the thing. Remember what I said, in this life, you will have tribulation, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. So that was my mindset. Like, oh my gosh, now we got to deal with this. Oh my gosh, now we got to deal with this. But I always felt deep down inside, like the harder it got, the more special it's going to be. That's just my mindset. Like, it's 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 like sometimes people like okay look I'm gonna use Oprah for an example like the harder the lives that people have led the more spectacular they become in life mm -hmm. for whatever yeah. reasons and I'm not gonna endorse that because I don't, I don't I don't like the idea of that kind of um, trajectory okay mm -hmm. but I'm just saying in my example like the harder things got. To me, I I felt like, oh, this gonna this gonna be special, you know. There's reasons why there are all these kinds mm -hmm. of attacks, right? And then even as the movie came out, I wasn't really sure, like that, you know, it was good. It was my best work, and I still don't think it is. But that said, sometimes you just you do the work, you put it on the altar and give it up to God, and the rest of mm -hmm. how people respond to it is not my business because I did my job. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, hundred percent. And then, as it was screaming, I just was looking on Twitter as I was watching the movie. And I'm like, "What is going on on Twitter?" <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter, I realized, like, I think people like this movie. You know? mm -hmm. so, I did mm -hmm. not know it until I saw it on Twitter. You know, until so, you saw it. Yeah, you just got to do yeah. the work, and and mm -hmm. the outcome is not always your business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. I think what you brought to that story is authenticity. And I, I, I'm so happy that you were the one that directed that story because too many times there are directors that don't bring that authenticity and, and you, and you brought it, the passion the compassion and yeah. the heart. You could feel it. You could mm -hmm. feel it. You really could. So thank you. I want to just take a brief pause before we continue. And we spoke about Alphonse mm -hmm. and he's definitely on his steady grind. Are you an everyday hustler? Are you always on your steady grind? Are you a black storyteller that matters? Check out actor and philanthropist J. Alphonse Nicholson's signature apparel line at fivegrinds.com and pick up a t-shirt, hoodie, and book bag and tell the world who you are. That's F-I-V-E grinds.com. So how did you end up getting down to the valley? <laughs> so um, I just started directing episodic television. Um, I did, did my first episode of, of TV directing was was an episode of Chicago PD, mm -hmm. um, which if you guys can find my episode, it's called Black and Blue. And I want to say it's episode 608 or 508 but okay. um interestingly like they gave me a black love story 
Like, so my episode of Chicago PD is a black love story. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm about to tear this up. Right. <laughs> so um, I did that. And then I directed an episode of FBI. No, then I did Clark Sisters. And then I did FBI. Right. And, and then after Clark Sisters came out, um, I think like, you were saying Jiggy on Twitter and everybody named Mama saw Clark Sisters. I got three <laughs> calls specifically from Black women showrunners. And each of the showrunners were like, girl, Clark Sisters. <laughs> like, wow. And they were like, can you come to my show and direct an episode? Right? And then so one of the calls that I got was from Katori Hall. And she was like, girl, Clark Sisters. <laughs> You know, so can we talk? So we just started to talk. And then just based on that, she gave me, uh, she booked me on an episode of Pea Valley. And and I have to say, like, initially, like, being a church girl from Detroit, I was like, I don't know if I'm the right director of Pea Valley. Um, just, um, just what I heard of. I've never seen it. Right? And then um, I just prayed about it. And and this is this is my thing, like, I don't write the material, like, but um, but there's a certain kind of thought process that happened where I, you know, there's got this kind of a judgment that you bring to things, right? And mm-hmm. I just kind of felt like I was being judgmental. And because of that, I'm like, I just felt led to go do it because I I I can't judge something that I didn't really know. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm honest with you, when I got there, it was as raunchy as I thought it was, and and more so, you know. Mm-hmm. But here's here's the difference. Here's the thing that I did not understand and I did not see. Like I remember like meeting um Miss Brandy Evans mm-hmm. plays Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Um and I remember seeing her first because I was just watching them setting up other stuff. And I'm watching her and then we kind of looked at each other and then it was, I don't know. I just, I'm, I don't know what I was thinking. I'm like, she's special, mm-hmm. you know? And then I got to meet her. And when I tell you like this woman, first of all, she's a preacher's kid. Mm-hmm. Y'all know that she's a preacher's mm-hmm. kid. Mm-hmm. And so we immediately connected. But when I tell you that that woman has a heart of gold, and like you wouldn't know this unless you meet people in person. So part of the reason like actually I was very successful in directing my episode, which directing an episode of P Valley is like directing an independent film. Mm-hmm. It's not like directing a regular episode of TV. Mm-hmm. I am telling you, Victoria has a lot of stuff in there that you gotta manage in 12 days. And mm. I'm like, how do you do this? But I know how to do it because I'm a guerrilla filmmaker. So that's, I just put that hat on, right? Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why I was successful is Brandy, like there would be days when uh, like we'd shoot something on her and then we would have to shoot something else, but I would need her right after we finished shooting that. But if she had left and gone all the way to her trailer, you know, and for her to come back, that travel time just ate up time, right? So I was just like, Randy, can you just stay on set? You know, just in case, <laughs> and then we can get to your scene sooner. She was like, absolutely. Mind you, she's the number one on the call sheet, right? She's just mm-hmm. And there was like at least five times or more that she was like, I'm right here, Christine. 
I ain't going nowhere. I'm right here. And she helped me to succeed, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, Alphonse, the first day that I worked with him, I'm looking at him. I'm like, dude, who are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've worked with a lot of actors, okay? Mm-hmm. And like sometimes this kind of uh, magic happens on a set where something just hits you like here, you know, and then in your gut. And I'm like, this dude, I mean, he feels like the lightning bolt that he is. You feel that. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at him. I'm like, who are you? Like, who are you? So I was like, dude, I'm going to put you in a movie one day. Mark my words. He was like, bet. I said, give me your number right now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I called him for my movie. He was like, man, you kept your word, you know? And mm-hmm. I was like, yes, I did. But I know how to call him. Like, mm-hmm. I know what you are. I know what you are before you know. Although mm-hmm. I think he has an idea, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He moves with a lot of bravado. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something that's special about this guy. Like, when we were negotiating, like, his contract, it's, it's a low-budget indie film. Mm-hmm. And, like, he was, I had two female leads. Mm-hmm. And he was the third lead, right? So it just, but people's reps, everybody thinks that their person is number one, right? Mm-hmm. But it just was getting a little haggly. And and um, I was like, dude, we need to wrap this up. And let me just say, I have a, two black women who are the leads, one and two. And we we just can't give you more than them. Mm-hmm. He was like, no, I'm never going to ask for more than two black women who are the number mm-hmm. one number two. Let me handle this right now. I'm going to call my people. It's a wrap. Don't worry about it. He, this brother was like, if, if the two black women are the number one and number two, I would, I will never ask for more than what they're getting. Oh, man. Wow. I've never heard anything like that in my life. Do you understand what that means? Yes. That's mm-hmm. exceptional. Yes. The hope that gives me for mm-hmm. us in the yes. way that we are looking out for each other. He didn't have to do that. He was like, mm-hmm. well, I'm Jay Alphonse Nicholson. Like, I, I should get none of that. Nope. None of that. Mm-hmm. It was like, let's wrap this up, sis. We're going to take care of this and let's go do this movie. You understand? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Rare. <laughs> That's where at least I don't see that. And it's and, rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Extremely rare. So Especially rare. within our community. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and, listen, and so to me, like um these are the brothers who are our black stars. Mm-hmm. We have to make sure that we keep them there as opposed to the industry dictating to us. Mm-hmm. These are the black leading men that we choose. Mm-hmm. You see the difference? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I saw Jay Alphonse and I was like, rip, like what? <laughs> like, no. This is it. This this the guy to mm-hmm. me. And and a lot of it has to do with the fact that one, he's a stellar, he's a stellar actor, yes. right? Mm-hmm. But number two, the love that he has for co- his community, yes, is mm-hmm. like um it's just it bubbles over you feel that i told told you when he's like you gotta meet nafisha that's all <laughs> i need to know a brother who loves his black woman his wife his black wife as much yeah. as he does and is unabashed about it i'm like that's the brother that i want to be the lead of my movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. you see what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Like they don't offer that to us. They mm -hmm. give us the fools who beating up white women. I mm -hmm. allegedly, allegedly. You know what? <laughs> allegedly. Okay. But I'm like, did we choose them? Mm. Come on. Or were they or were they chosen for us? For us. Mm -hmm. Come on, Christy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ma'am. Come on, Miss right? Swanson. We we collectively should have more power in who we choose. But the way the industry is 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 configured, they will choose people for us. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just you know it don't click. I'm looking, I'm like, I don't understand. You know, like it's just not clicking. And mm -hmm. I'm working with this actor who, who inter ironically enough, is playing a, a, a gay rapper, right, mm -hmm. on, on a TV show. And I knew in my gut, oh, this is a leading man mm -hmm. that Black women will appreciate. That's what I yep. felt. Mm -hmm. That's what, mm -hmm. and honestly, that's that's all I know. Like, like I grew up in Detroit. Like I, I only like black men. I'm like I know a real black man when I see him mm -hmm. on a set. You understand? You don't see that a lot, and I'm not just seeing it. It's something that you feel. So kudos to Katori Hall because she felt it too and cast him to play mm -hmm. Little Murder. Um, and he has so much craft and empathy mm -hmm. that, that mm -hmm. he can he can play opposite a man or a woman, and mm -hmm. it's always believable and authentic. Yes, and yes. the part. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what, that's what we deserve. We deserve that kind of nuance, mm -hmm. authenticity. Mm -hmm. That is rare. That is rare. That that, Alf, that Alphonse brings to the table, Brandy. Evans brings to the table. Brandy is as real as they come. You hear me? Uh -huh. That girl is real, real, you know? And it's to me like such, that's the thing that I had to see and experience without judgment, you know, uh -huh. that, that these, these are real black folks that are coming through in an authentic, authentic way because we have an authentic voice, like a Katori Hall uh -huh. um, pushing these kinds of characters to the forefront that we have never seen before. You know mm -hmm. why we've never seen it before? Because the Katori Halls of the world weren't picking these people. Do you mm -hmm. get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. All right. That's we right. An industry picking folks. And like, because we're so thirsty and starving for representation and images of us, we just, we take the process meat. Mm -hmm. We take yep. the process fast food and we eat it because what else is there you know but when mm -hmm. you get something that is real and authentic it just hits you in another way and you're yep. just like what is happening so i feel like this is starting to happen mm -hmm. you know when and mm -hmm. it's always led by a black woman <laughs> yep. yep 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 okay now well <laughs> Ooh. I feel full because that was um, a sermon that I needed. Um, I think for me, my question, John Clarence Stewart, mm. when you talk about another 
actor who is just brilliant. His role as Big Teak. That's right. What was it like working with him? He had amazing scenes in The Dirty Dozen. And if you could just give us a, you know, couple of little behind the scenes moments, maybe. Well, this this was my first reaction um, (laughs) to him. I was like, ain't that that musical theater guy? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't really understand how that works. You know, what's like he doing here. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew him from what's what's that show? The always extraordinary playlist. So I was like, maybe I think Tori dropped the ball on this one. You know, like I'm like, no, I don't get it. You know, but here that's the thing of prejudging stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I had to course correct myself. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like. The first day that I meet him, it, he was scary. Like he was like method acting, and he was scary. He was big, big T, big T on camera and off camera. And I was kind of like, "This brother looks scary." Like, what are we gonna do with him, right? So. And I have worked with some scary actors. And by scary, I mean people are so committed to their character. Like, I don't know who I'm talking to sometimes, you know? Mm -hmm. So when that happens, what I do is I just focus on the work. Yeah. Um, Big T, I'm going to need you to stand right here, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and then Big T, turn this way. When the camera comes this way, just, just direct. Because that guy is so committed to his character. Mm-hmm. Ain't nothing I need to tell him. I just need mm-hmm. to get out his way is what I felt, right? <laughs> and um, John is so, um, uh, he's a true talent. Mm-hmm. Like, he is committed to his craft. So everything that I would be doing, I just see him do like this. He's like watching. I'm telling you, it was scary. It was really scary. Because I want to be like, I need you to stop watching me like that, okay? Okay. Go somewhere and sit down. I don't need you to be like hawking over me like this. But that's the small details you don't get into. Mm -hmm. I was just like, just doing my job. Just doing my, and he'd come up and ask questions like, "Um, I don't, okay, so I don't understand why, you know, why this, this, or this is happening. And it could sound like he was, you know, you know, challenging my authority but i'm not that sensitive okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. told you i'm a mother of four right I'm mm-hmm. not that sensitive so i'm like okay this is what i'm thinking a b c and d and mm-hmm. blah 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 mm-hmm. and he'd be like okay and then i just get back go do do <laughs> my job and like i what oh my gosh when i tell you like what i would see him giving me um on on the camera I'm just like, you felt somebody who was tortured, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He exuded that every second of the way, whether we were shooting or not. Talk about commitment to the craft. So you take somebody like that and you take an Jay Alphonse committed to the craft. Yes. What do you think is going to happen? Yep. Right? Okay. Magic. You felt that energy. Yeah. Every second of the way. Mm. So I, that brother really humbled me 
in a way that I had not anticipated. And it's that I thought this of him, like Zoe's playlist, musical theater. I'm like, how he gonna do this? How he gonna play this? And like, he a little light skinned too. So I was like, he look a little soft, you know? You know what? <laughs> and I did, but, but no diss to the light skinned brothers. But he, <laughs> when I tell you, he brought it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there you go. I'm going to stop judging stuff because you don't know what somebody can do to mm-hmm. you give them that platform and let them go. And that mm-hmm. guy just went for it. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of his forever because I can see, I can see what he can do on this side. And then I can see what he can do on this side. And if you can go from this to this, ain't nothing you can't do. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm right. I'm I'm in, I'm enamored with that guy, and I'm he knows. Like when we finished this, I was like, "Dude, oh my gosh, you were fantastic!" Mm-hmm. You yep. know, and and we were able to work together because he once he figured out that I knew what I was doing, like mm-hmm. he could relax mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. trust me, you know. And then once once you give me your trust and you do your job and mm-hmm. I do my job, we're gonna make some magic. So let's go, let's go do this. So. That dude is just, he is phenomenal. This has been so amazing. And one of your Pea Valley mm-hmm. alum <laughs> is in, is watching and in, in the comments, Tao. Um, oh, he, yeah. <laughs> and he said, um, he said, one, that you paid it forward by letting Brandy and him shadow you a little bit on the set last season. He's so grateful of that. That's right. And yes. he has met very few people on a certain level that are as generous as you oh, are. So, and he has that. been singing your praises here and all over Twitter. So we just oh, wanted that's to highlight brilliant. him. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. That, that is something interesting. Like sometimes um, this happened to me like three times when I've directed episodic television. I've had three different leading ladies come up to me and say, can I shadow you? You know, and I'm like, you got hundreds of directors come through here. And, uh, and, and, uh, and they felt comfortable enough to ask me that. And I always um, with, with, with especially actors like on set, I know why they asked me to, shadow because uh I, I just give off that mom vibe i'm like mm-hmm. i love you i'm gonna take care of you what you need right mm-hmm. the thing is i'm also a teacher by nature right mm-hmm. so it's yeah. like yeah so i'm like brandy you're with me every day like you are shadowing me but yes. it is different when she's working she's mm-hmm. in work mode so on her day off one day she came and sat right by me on the monitor and mm-hmm. was shadowing me, would ask questions. And I would explain to her, like, this is what I'm doing. This is why. And I was happy to be able to teach her or anybody like who's already there. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I have to say they're already there, because I'm a guest director, right? Mm-hmm. How I look coming on set to my job where I'm a guest and I'm like, this is my posse, right? And they just going to shadow me. I can't do that. I can't bring people um, without the permission of Katori Hall and the producers or whatever. So Katori ran that by, I mean, uh, Brandy ran that by Katori and, and everybody was fine with it. Then I am happy to teach. And that is one of the things that uh, when I made this feature film with, um, Jay Alphonse, um, I actually brought eight to 10 interns, black kids. It was one white kid oh, like on set as my guests. So they worked like in a PA capacity, 
but because they were my guests, they did not have to work in fear, right? So I'm like, you can ask anybody any question at any time. And because you're my guest, they are going to have to treat you accordingly. And then on the weekends, we held writing workshops, Mm -hmm. producing workshops, and then they would have lunch with the actors. So they got really a film school experience by working on an independent film. And both my husband and I were mm-hmm. able to mentor them in a in a safe setting. Now, mind you, they went through the ringer too because you all there are politics to everything. But they got to deal with it firsthand with my husband uh, Michael and I um, mm-hmm. mentoring them through 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 the film process. So that is what I'm committed to doing wherever I go and and as I direct television to the extent that we have permission from. Um, the, the studio, the, the showrunner, um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I'm going to always say that, can you find a black woman who uh, can take advantage of shadowing me? So that's because I'm going to teach this to the next generation. So you don't make my mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so you can succeed quicker, faster and stronger um, than, than, uh, than it took me, you know, just yeah. running into mm-hmm. walls mm-hmm. and stumbling. Yes. And stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yes. yeah. But we are so grateful for you coming yes. to Pink Sunday Radio. Nice. And please join us again when you get closer. I know you're editing that project. We'll do. We'll do. But we will be reaching out to you again so you can come tell us all about that project with Alphonse. And you spending your time with us has been beautiful. The way you have opened up and shared some gems with us. I mm-hmm. asked you about gems, about Spike Lee, but you've shared a lot of gems with us today. So I thank you. Please tell our audience um, upcoming projects and where they can find you, all your socials. Yep. So it's I see I see Swanson 4-4 on all platforms and my upcoming film, which um, I'm editing now, starring Renee Elise Goldsberry, uh, Lynn Whitfield, and mm-hmm. Jay Alphonse mm-hmm. Nicholson, um, ho- hopefully coming to you. Uh, we used to say in a in a in a theater near you, but mm-hmm. we have, we'll we'll have to figure out what platform it comes out on. But it's mm-hmm. certainly uh, my love letter to Black folks and Black women, particularly because it's time for us to start eating some filet mignon and not mm-hmm. junk food. So let's let's hit it. Mm-hmm. 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 Love that. Thank you so very much. This was incredible. Amazing. I just everything about it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I still have a thousand more questions, but we don't have a thousand. Right? I know. <laughs> but we will ask them when you come back. Have to do that. And keep doing what you guys are doing. Because again, black women like yourselves um are the reason why uh I do what I do. And you guys are at the forefront of really creating a lane for us to tell great stories. So keep doing what you're doing. I thank, thank you, you for, for your that. work. Thank, thank you. you so much. We appreciate All right. that. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Woo! That was amazing. Woo. That was so good. <laughs> so good. Wow. Okay, that I miss church today because she just <laughs> Okay, out. baby. Listen. Okay. The, way, the way wow. my spirit <laughs> after dinner. Mm-hmm. The way my spirit has been filled. Amen. Okay. Listen, the chicken was not dry. <laughs> at all. It not was at all. Nice.
The cornbread was was moist. It the was corn, it was giving, mm-hmm. it was giving crawfish cornbread, y'all. <laughs> You're gonna have to make it and send it to I'm us, or on our girls trip to New York. Oh, I'm allergic to shellfish, but I'm gonna trust you on that. Oh, that's right. Okay, well, gotta get you an What's the alternative? Still giving I'm going to have to think of a regular cornbread for me. Benadryl and the EpiPen, we mm-hmm. in business. <laughs> right in the bag. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, well, uh, let's let the PSR listeners know a little something. Oh, God. <laughs> I had it, and then I, we were talking. It was too much talking. Okay, here we go. Hey, family, if you're listening to this on a podcast platform, do us a favor and follow or subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you're on Spotify, make sure you press those three dots and hit us with that five-star rating. If you're on Apple Podcasts and have a little extra time, after rating us five stars, leave us a written review as well. If you're watching in full HD on YouTube, rate, subscribe, then tell us what you think in the comments. Last but not least, be sure to check out our website at pinksunday.com for original articles and exclusive content. Oh, shoot. Okay. (laughs) Okay, there we go. All right, so now it is time for us. This is why I was on. And then I have to go back because it is time for us. Okay, I guess I want to do it twice. It's time to rate the episode, (laughs) y'all. So normally time does an eeny, mini, miny, mo. We're not going to do that. We're just going to go ahead and start with y'all today. (laughs) Whoa. Well, <laughs> this, um, oh, I was watching again last night. I'm gonna go ahead and give this a four mics for the wee wangs because I was high off of all the excitement that was going on. I give it that because oh, it has so much. Um, I didn't want to go five because it didn't make me just. It didn't make me just, you know, oh my goodness. And I can't remember how I felt when I first watched it, but it's definitely high up there for me due to um, the talk on the stairs with the the vulnerability between um, Big Teak and Lil Murda, the vulnerability between Mercedes and um, Shell. Like it was just jam packed with good stuff and good stuff to talk about. So. So I just realized you gave us your four mics and y'all don't even know what the mics mean. So let me go over what the actual ratings are (laughs) so y'all know what it means. So one mic is unch chicken and dressing. Two mics is sit on my lap slaw. Three mics is Ernestine's neck bones. Four mics is lemon pepper wets or way wangs because Jai and Jiggy don't like lemon pepper wet. Although I think Jai likes some lemon pepper dry, but we'll we'll go that mm-hmm, another mm-hmm. time. And five mics is murder's <coughs> poke chops, collard greens, candy yams, and cornbread. So these are the ratings. <clears throat> okay. Who next? First of all, am I freezing like below 10? 
kind of. Sometimes. Oh, we can like hear that. you even when you're frozen. So yeah. So yeah, oh. just keep it moving. It's mm-hmm. killing my nerves right now. But anyway, so this episode, you know, Dirty Dozen is one of my favorites. It is like top five episode for me. Mm-hmm. So it's a five episode. I don't give a shit. It's it's five mics. <laughs> um, I don't care what nobody thinks. It is superior. It's seamless. It has so many storylines that are weaved together perfectly. We got a whole ass music video inside of an episode mm-hmm. that is yeah. like, what the fuck? It's it's a costume change within a costume change. You are on stage performing, and then it goes into a whole mm-hmm. ass music video, yeah. like seamlessly. Like he goes <laughs> from one character to yeah. like. It is just visionary. I, I'm, I'm saying like I've I've watched so much TV throughout my whole entire life. And that for me, 203 is a visionary episode. We just got off the damn video with a director that is truly visionary. The mm-hmm. Uncle Clifford moment. And we discussed with Danny about her intricacy of the UC on the ass and the job that it took with her and the few um, nail artists, makeup artists to come together with the looks. I mean, this episode is completely epic. How do you have that intricate of a fight scene? There was so many motherfuckers running around there. There was a shoe flipping around. Like, girl. You made me want to change my ratings, sis. Come on, you're talking this episode. Like, Like, I'm sorry. It's five all day. I got five on it. How about you, Jiggy Wiggy? I got five on it all day. To me, this is a top three episode to me, for me, it's the watchability of the episode. Yeah. This is an episode, put it on and run it on loop. I can watch yeah. it over and over and mm-hmm. over again. 100. So that, that shoots it up to the top of my ratings. Like yeah. you said, the fight, Unk getting her postcard, just the realization. I was going through the tweets and reading the tweets as everybody realized that Uncle Clifford is getting a postcard from every city. It was oh. so great to read. Mm-hmm. So yeah. many things in this episode. Yeah, I, I didn't even mention the damn postcards. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's an amazing episode. Love it. So I'm five mics as well. Um, and a lot of it has to do with everything I talked about, but also something that Christine said, like mm-hmm. directing an episode of P-Valley is like directing a feature film. Like when you yes. sit and you look at all the elements that was in this episode, mm-hmm. nothing was incomplete. Like there mm-hmm. isn't, that you felt like maybe they did a little too much. Cause sometimes when shows have as much as P Valley has per episode, particularly one like 203, you'd be like, mm, they probably could have took this storyline out and completed this one or finished this one up a little more. But there was none of that. And like you guys said, we got a, a music, we got a concert, then a video, then we got like a whole the Mercedes experience. We get introduced nope. to that. It introduced the Farah, and again, that whole thing is complete. Just a little bit of time we have with them is complete. We got to know so much more about Shell, and that 
that and that story was complete so it's just it's not it's all the visuals all the great stuff but it's just how incredibly interwoven all of these scenes were and it's mm -hmm. It feels like a complete story. You don't feel like anything's left out yeah. and you want to watch it again because you feel like you missed something. Like, That's what um, I'm like, saying. This is what we do as rewatchers, of course. <laughs> but just in general, even if we weren't, it's like, wait, I have to watch this two or three more times because I'm mm -hmm. positive. Mm -hmm. There's a detail I missed. There's a just in the Uncle Clifford part. Like, it's so many details because it took me a few rewatches to notice the UC on the ass. So and I'm like, now, of course, I can't unsee it, but you know, that's a whole detail because I'm looking at everything else that's happening in that scene and that is just, it's incredible. This is an incredible, incredible episode. I mean, yep. And then the part with Haley and Unc, like mm -hmm. the 15%, like there, I think, I think Ja can probably do the outline 20 times and we can still have bullet mm -hmm. points, mm -hmm. different bullet points each time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Period. Mm -hmm. Like that's how, that's how good this episode is. I feel like that's how each rating, I feel like that's how you should come up with the ratings. Like, how many outlines can we have with <laughs> A lot. Like, like, I was shocked mm -hmm. last night because I was like, mm -hmm. what am I going to say new? And the whole episode, I'm just mm -hmm. like, <laughs> mm -hmm. was. like yeah. y'all got me changing my, y'all got me changing because I forgot some stuff from last night. I'm listening to y'all and I'm like, that isn't right. Okay. You all yeah. right. Y'all got me yeah. together. Even when I was making I promo clips, I've made promo clips for this episode at least once, if not twice. Mm -hmm. But making the promo clips, and it's like there's even in one scene, there's new stuff to highlight. It's like watching mm -hmm. it again, the discussions we have. And I was like, I could like clip this episode forever and it not be stale. Yep. I'm and not, not and I'm not telling the whole story because that's I'm always mm -hmm. sensitive with clips because although it's a rewatch platform or we're mm -hmm. group, there mm -hmm. are some people that'll come in that haven't seen it. You know, that'll be yeah. like, or, you know, what are you guys talking about? And like all the people that came into the Noah's Ark rewatch that hadn't seen it. So mm -hmm. I try not to tell like the whole thing and I, I can make a million more clips and still yeah. not tell the whole yeah. story. And these are some long clips. So it's just, uh, I just. Yeah, it was a new guy that came into the rewatch and then ended up subscribing to our YouTube, um, mm -hmm. Terrence Donovan. Shout out to him because he sent us a he sent yeah, us a tweet out. last night. You saw that. So mm -hmm. just shout out to him, Terrence, if you're watching. Thank you so much. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, you're right, Tia. Um, so moving forward, I want to give a special shout out to Patrick for showing us so much love. The father of Black A Cinema. Patrick Ian Polk is looking for indie music for one of his upcoming projects. Make sure it's competitively priced and easy to clear. Then submit with all pertinent credits to Noah's Music Submission at gmail.com. Make, make sure y'all are... Um, Submitting your music for the Noah's Ark project, okay? There's too many talented musicians out there 
too much great music just hanging around submit your music to um patrick for the project okay time for another segment of saints or ain't All right, so our first one is Lil Murda and Teak on the Stairs. Now, we have talked a whole lot about Lil Murda and what he should or should not have done, but we haven't talked as much about Teak. So, ladies, is Teak a saint or an ain't in this scene? We'll start with you, Koji. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> Is Teak a saint or ain't? Oh my God, for being on the stairs? The conversation on the stairs, what he said or didn't say. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to. Like, I just feel with Big Teak, Honestly, I feel like somebody who has been in the dark for this long, we should give them grace. Um, And so it's so hard for me to give him a saint, an ain't, a su-ain't, anything. I feel like he has rights to be um struggling on on everything like we literally don't know the conversations him and murder had when murder left prison i i don't care i still feel like they had a conversation are we talking about how he asked did he tap mississippi I'm talking about all of it, yeah. That's what you want to talk about? Exactly. So so I still say he asked, did he tap Mississippi? Because there was a conversation when he left and when he left prison. And I think it was kind of understood that, you know, hey, get your rocks off with, with the women. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Cool. Because that's kind of murder has possibly been with both. Okay, that that's kind of what he's done. Like what Kimmy said, nothing has been defined. We don't know, you know, so maybe it's like, hey, don't fall in love with no other nigga. You know what I'm saying? I'm your nigga. I'm your light. You know, what is this voice? That voice over here, girl. I love to see it. <laughs> so I actually, the way that you just explained it, I can see, I, I, I can, I don't, I understand, but I don't agree. <laughs> That's what I should say. Because I don't think it's any women in long murder history. You keep saying that. Where Tia, I just, I just you, don't. Everything you said though, points were made. I'm Tia, sure you y'all. Points were made. 
Absolutely. You, don't fall in love with no nigga. I can see all you and Jiggy just will not. You and Jiggy just refuse to believe that murdered and tapped. Why am I in it? That's what I'm trying to figure you out. And Jiggy, you and Jiggy, you and Jiggy just refuse to believe that murdered and tapped some cat. Who said that? When did I say that? I don't know if Jiggy has said that. On the top of line. Don't personally feel like that's the story. Now, the way that you explained it, I could totally see a conversation happening where it's like, hey, go fuck all the bitches you want. Right. The niggas is off limits. (laughs) And that's it. Because niggas are no. Yeah, like knowing that you ain't gonna fall in love with a chick, but if you start messing with another dude, I think there was a conversation in general. That's I think, it. I think the conversation was when we get out, it's me and you against the world, blah, 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 blah. So mm-hmm. I'm, I always do this, but I give Teak a saint on these stairs. One, when he rapped Keyshawn, I, to me, when it was like, well, I'm surprised you ain't rapped that bitch. That was, why are you being weird to me? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> we had, coming out, what is going on? I'm trying mm. to ask because I don't know what's up. So that to me is that. Mm. And I know a lot, you know, people are divided on the time. Mm. Some people think okay. it's. They really think that Teak thinks he's messing with Keyshawn. I don't think that at all. I think it was, why are you being weird to me? What the fuck is up? And he's expecting the right... He And I feel like he knows murder knows that's what he's asking. And then murder mm-hmm. does the old other shit. So mm-hmm. to me, I know, yes, Teak could have asked that or he could have said some stuff. But I just, I just think... I think he did ask it and what he asked. And murder... Was a whole fuckboy on these stairs. So I give Teek a saint on these stairs. Sorry. So a couple of things for me. Number one, there will never be a day when I get on these people's stream yard and say Thaddeus Wilkes is anything other than a saint. So thank all <laughs> Number two, I have never said that I didn't think murder slept with women because I'm firmly on the side that he got a secret baby mama somewhere. So, oh, you know uh, what? You, you right. Are. Okay, girl. <laughs> my bad. Oh, Lord. I was Let's not do this. I was Let's RC not do this there. in front of a crowd of people, Jiggy. Okay. So the reason why he's a saint for me is because I understand like his struggle to try to figure out what's going like he's trying to figure out his place in the world mm-hmm. so of course it's then extra hard for him to sit next to this man that he's in love with who T- like tia said is being weird to him and he- it's difficult for him to come out and just be like what the hell is up with us like he's mm-hmm. trying to tiptoe his way to that and i think I put the onus on murder to say what it is. Because to me, murder is the one that found someone else. Like, I believe that they had a conversation. There's a reason why, you know, all of Teak's fantasies were built around murder. I felt like they had a conversation. And maybe murder didn't think he was ever getting out. But in Teak's mind, when I get out, this is my man. Mm, And now murder has moved on. So tell him that. And for me, the reason why murder is an ain't here and Teek is the saint because there's nothing but space and opportunity to let him know. Mm-hmm. And you willfully chose not to, to me. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe he didn't think of it that way, but that's how it looks to me. So Teek is a saint here. I agree. Well, I, oh, I gotta give Big Teek. I want to give him... 
say, but he got a little in in there. And I say this, I agree with all the points made. Um, Low murder should have took the time to at least speak up and say that he has someone else. Although technically he doesn't even know where he stands with Uncle Clifford right now. And, but also Big Teak, a guy told me once. Oh, oh Lord Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should have said, I heard this from a friend, but if you can suck and fuck on me, right, you should be able to talk to me. So we don't we know that in that broom closet, we see how Lil Murder gets down. Lil Murder and, and Big T, they've been in that closet sucking and fucking and slurping and, and jerking and all the things, but you can't come out your mouth and say, mm -hmm. Hey, you've been acting weird to me. Like, are we good? Like, what's going on? Or what have you? So the beating around the bush, you can't just assume that people are mind readers. And so, yeah, we could kind of say that asking why you haven't wrapped her yet is a lead in question, but then ask the follow up. Because if you were expecting to come out and have your life with me, you should be able to say, hey, look, um, are we acting funny because of Rome and, and Wody? Like, I brought you out here to have this conversation, have the conversation. So I can't give him the full, the full saint in the way that he handled this because you got the answer to the questions you were looking for, to the questions you asked. And if you were looking for something else, you should have mm -hmm. asked something else. Because yeah. if you can, if you can take mm -hmm. that other stuff in and out, you you can <clears throat> ask the fucking question. What's no. it, mate? Yep. <laughs> All right, so the next one, Shell and Mercedes in the bathroom and the conversation. Um, again, we sp have spoken a lot on how Mercedes handled this, but I don't think we've approached it from Shell's point of view. So, mm -hmm. Jiggy, do you think Shell is a saint or an ain't in this bathroom scene? I'm going to give her a sutain. Like, <laughs> okay. kind and I don't know if it's mostly, it's like square in the middle. It's not more saint than ain't, mm -hmm. it's in the middle. Because I'm not sure how old Terika was when Cortez died. But I imagine no matter how resentful she may be, she still looks at Terika as her child. So it would be difficult to just give her back her mother. Like how many years has it been that you've been raising this, this little girl? And mm -hmm. then, okay, my husband is dead. He's a cheater. I don't have to raise her anymore. I don't I don't think no matter how much she complains, I don't think that would have been an easy thing to do. And mm -hmm. then even if she wanted to, she tells us with his dying breath, he asked her to take care of him, to take care of Terika. So you're resentful. Your husband's a cheater. But at some point you loved him because you married him. I'm going to assume so he knows he's dying and this is the last thing he asked you. I think it would be difficult to go against his dying wish. Mm -hmm. 1, so, but then she's resentful, but then there are things that she could have done to maybe foster the relationship with Terika and Mercedes a little more. So I can't make her completely a saint, but so I'm going to put it like squarely in the middle. She's a little bit of both for me. Okay. 
Ja. So I'm, this is a tough one for me. And I saw on the timeline that this really triggered um, feelings Mm -hmm. in some of our Pink Posse watchers. And I got to give her, it's like, mm, I understand that difficult position you were in. But like you said, Terika is 14 now. So these are the way that it comes up. They say a drunk mouth tells the truth. Mm-hmm. This is how she actually feels mm-hmm. when she looks at Terika every day. I got to <sighs> look into the face of my dead husband's mistakes. She said, you think I, she said, you think I want to look in her face every day? Yo, that's wild because that is that makes you assume that there the love that you think she has for Terica, and which is which would be like maybe that's the driving force. Like you said, it's been all this time. I've been raising her. I love her. It's not easy for me to give it away. But in the, in her drunkenness, she says, "You think I want to look at the face of my husband's mistakes every day?" So that says to me a little bit that there's spite in what she's doing. It's more so, fuck you, Mercedes, because you was fucking on my husband. And you got a baby for him, and I didn't. And and I got to raise your baby because your mama said you can't do it, and my husband said you can't do it. And so, and I'm I'm vengeful. I'm, I'm grudgeful. And this is a chore every day. She said what she, she said what she meant. She said what she said. And it sucks because Terika had to hear that. So, mm-hmm. and, and and after yeah. thinking about it, because I wanted to give her a little grace for understanding the nature of the situation and giving her, the, she got to get an ain't from me for that. I don't think it's a day of the week that show will not be an ain't for me. <laughs> in every situation y'all know how i feel about show and the thing so i give her a little bit of bail because i actually have a friend in real life that has a similar situation um where they got him and her the friend is the guy got a woman pregnant they were together but then she ended up leaving because her parents they were young and they were like no we're not doing this like right after they broke up he got with somebody else and they had a kid she died so then he went back to the first lady and they got married. So, and their kids are very, very close because of how this all happened. And that was part of, they're not married anymore. And that was part of the thing that she actually said. She was like, it's very hard for me to walk around this house and see your infidelity every single day. Like I'm seeing, because at the point they weren't completely broken up. And like I said, the kids are real close. So I I see that point with Shell. Like I'm looking at this whole infidelity, like probably was embarrassed because Mercedes is underage when all this happened. I don't know what the baby daddy did. I don't know if he's like a pillar of the community, but Shell got a little quaints. So (laughs) something, they doing something where they're known in the community. So I can imagine if I'm Shell and because, and this is, small town mississippi i'm shell and all of a sudden everybody in the town know that your husband was messing with an underage chick and had a baby so it's a lot of layers to that so i shoot her this much bell but everything else is bullshit to me because i've always said her parenting is trash this Mm -hmm. to me gives me why her parenting is trash because like when she went out of town to see her sister or whatever and terica was at home at the party she ain't checked in on terica she had like mercedes knew they were having a party because she was on her social media 
Shell, why are you not right. on the social media? Like, why yeah. are you? Because first of all, why are you leaving a 13-year-old at home by themselves for any reason? Well, she said she was going to such and such. Well, when my son was that age and he was going places, first, I got to talk to the parents to make sure they're going to be there. That's going to happen. I'm dropping you off to make sure that you got there. I know if I'm not picking you up to come home, who is it that's picking you up? And I'm talking to them. Like, all that happened if that happened. So the fact that she like shell halfway knew the friend's house she was going to obviously didn't check if she got there if everything was okay hadn't talked to her however long she's been out of town and i've always said this is terrible parenting and now this is like oh she's a terrible parent because she really don't want to be her parent and she's resenting her every time she looks in her face so to me i get it like i understand as a human being all those emotions but like y'all said it's been 14 years boo like if you weren't up for the job you shouldn't have taken it mm -hmm. mm. koji yeah yeah i agree with that um you know ever since shell came back from jackson at her sister house and just completely unaware of like you said unaware of every single thing that was happening in her own house. Like, that's just ridiculous. Uh, I mean, I was a latchkey kid back in the day, but shit, that was back in the day. Fuck, how old am I? You know, we, we just live in different times. And, and you know, back in the day, it, it was a village. Like, everybody knew what the fuck you were doing. Hell, I mean, for me anyway, it was like, you know, Miss Bridget next door, she'll whoop your ass. Miss Bridget next door, tell your mama what's going on. Miss Bridget next door, know what the hell going on. Like, you know, mama tell Miss Bridget, hey, I'm working overtime. You know what I'm saying? The kids getting home. Like, everybody just kind of knew what was going on. It was just a different time. That's not the case. We didn't have social media. Like, how do you not know what is going on? Um, it's just the lack of responsibility. And then when something happens, you ready to beat your child down about it, but you don't know mm -hmm. shit. That's my mm -hmm. problem. It's a difference if you know shit and then your child act a fool. Okay, okay, it's up. But you don't know shit. And then when you find out, it's like, what? Well, okay, you know, you ain't been checking up on nothing. Mm -hmm. So Shell is an ain't for me. And then when the pandemic happened, you know, we all was going through it during the pandemic. So it just made it extra irresponsible and just extra. Mm -hmm. So she gets an ain't. We can move on. It's like, oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> it just exhausts my nerves. I'm tired. Anyway, what's the next one? Oh. Did I miss anybody? Mm -mm. Mm. No, okay. we, um, we got to give Patrick a little more shine yeah. um, for our new installment of the Rewatch this Tuesday. Yes. Hey, Pink Posse. 
We're shaking things up for these last few installments of the Noah's Ark Rewatch. This Tuesday, July 11th, we'll be watching the movie Noah's Ark, Jumping the Broom, at 8 p.m. Eastern, instead of our normal 10 p.m. Eastern time. And of course, live tweeting on Twitter. Then, at 10 p.m. Eastern, PSR will be live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch, so y'all can share your reactions to the movie by either popping into the studio with us or in the live chat. Make sure you use the hashtag Noah's Ark Rewatch and we'll see you this Tuesday the 11th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Excited. We just watched it, but I'm so excited to watch it again, especially after going through both seasons. Right. Right. Exactly. It's like a continuity about it. I would feel incomplete if we didn't mm-hmm. watch it, right? Yeah. Like that was the thing, even though we did watch it like a couple of months ago during Pink Friday uh flick. It, it was like, yeah, that would be incomplete. Well, I always say it, the movie is like the third season. It's like the series finale, the third indeed. season. That's when they mm-hmm. wrap everything up. So yeah, it would feel completely indeed. incomplete if we did. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, well, we're moving on to what you said. Okay, so we got a few different ones in here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start with this one because, you know, it's me. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, it is, but that's not why I'm starting with it. <laughs> Girl. So ooh, I baby. had said. <laughs> oh, my, think, my nerves, um, please. In the scene where uh, Pico comes into the uh, bar, sees Teak, they have a little disagreement. And then Wody comes up to him, daps him up, and is like, I ain't got no problems with you. I just stopped eating meat. All that little lame shit he said. I love me some Wody, but all of this I hate. <laughs> what I, you know, my opinion. I think that, like, to me, this is, and I'm not one of those, you know, people have their friends, and it's like, if I don't like them, you don't like them either. Like, I'm not that person per se, mm-hmm. but in this situation, you rise so hard for murder at Bruh. every turn. You mm-hmm. might not know why him and Pico are beefing, but for him to all of a sudden bust up. And fight this man in the middle of the club and all that. Like, I I, I don't think that murder was like, well, he called me a punk because I'm gay. Like, I don't think that's the conversation he had with Mm -hmm. Wody. But I think that in this situation, murder beefing with Pico at this level should have been enough for even if Wody is not beefing with Pico. You shouldn't be dapping him up, telling him you ain't got no problem. It should be. It's up just like it's up if murder see you again. That's my opinion. Okay, so I'm going to see this pissed me off right here. And if I don't say a second, I'm I, I'm going to be even more pissed off if I got to go last. I'm sorry, ladies. Um, But how you going to come to me about my girl Cliff? You know, oh, we got to get this money. Uh, So you got to do what you got to do in the dog. You know, blah, blah, blah about what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? I'm getting my love on with my lady. Cool. But then your ass with Pico bum ass that I didn't had a whole ass fight with. And you gonna give him that much amount of love like that? Mm-hmm. 
fuck you, bruh. I'm sorry. Like that, that mm-hmm. shit is so foul to me. Like you coming to me and telling me what I need to do with my biz. And it's on some like, oh, I'm your manager. I'm looking out for you. I'm trying to make sure you good, you know, money wise, you know, and everything. But then this is basically the enemy. I understand what you're saying to you about like, okay, but at the same time, this nigga's a op. You didn't flip the script. You CFC now. I don't care. Okay, fine. You sort of a fan. You didn't came to support and all that. But it was just the way. Like it was just the way he did it. It wasn't even like a even though my even though my nigga don't like you. You know, it wasn't even like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, my nigga don't fuck with you. You know, I'm still vegan. And I ain't got no beef with you. It, 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 like, it wasn't even no little joke. Like, my nigga don't fuck with you. Or you was wrong for fucking with my nigga like that. You got your ass beat. Like, it just wasn't nothing for me. So, yeah. I'm sorry. Mm-mm. So my thought process is a little different and I feel like Wody's in an interesting position and maybe I read it wrong, but we're introduced to them as a friend group. You got Murda, Wody, uh, Pito mm-hmm. and the flunkies or whatever as a friend group. And so shit happens. The what? Sometimes Did you say flunkies? Group. Yeah, you know, oh boy. And that little know. light-skinned dude that we keep seeing, <laughs> the little bald-head light-skinned dude that was like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Y'all here for murder? Damn. <laughs> yeah, go the ahead. Guys, his entourage, if you yeah, will, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes in a friend group, two friends fall out. So yeah. now I got to pick a side. You know what I'm saying? Like, you my friend and this person is my friend and we should be able, I should be able to stay neutral in this situation. However, Wody is murder's manager and in this moment Wody is working so I feel like Wody could have did a little bit of hey homie it's good to see you you know what I'm saying but look I'm at work right now and you and my boy you know whatever so I holler at you when I see you on the block you mm-hmm. know I still mm-hmm. I still feel like he could have um greeted Pico as he would have always greeted Pico mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. but also kept his um mm-hmm. his position as Murder's manager, and then, like you said, there's a little tension between Teak and Teak is security for Little Murder right now. Yeah. So he just, but what fucked it over for me was he just did a lot. He was almost like kissing Pico's ass, like yeah. you know, okay, don't be extra. extra. It's extra. You all right with me? Like he did a whole it lot, and so that's much. what I find. It was too much. It was a little too much ass kissing bootlicking for me. But I, I, <laughs> I understand the the position of mm-hmm. I want to remain mutual when my two friends are beefing. I shouldn't have to pick a side. Okay. Especially if I don't know why y'all beefing. And like y'all, we've always said, murder ain't said nothing to Wody about why him and Pico had to square up. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think there's there's any way murder told uh, Wody what was said. Okay. So. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this. Um, I can only look at it like how I would feel. And if I don't like somebody, I don't need my friends to also not like them. Mm-hmm. Like if you fuck with them, that's fine. Usually I'll just hang back and wait for you to come around to realize why I don't <laughs> fuck with them. Cause you'll get there eventually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I don't think murder would be, would murder be mad at this? I mean, it was over the top. I wouldn't be mad. I don't know if murder would be mad. He he did a lot. To me, it was the fact that he's in rival gang colors. That was the thing. And I think that was the thing for Teak. You are now CFC down mm-hmm. all the way. So this over-the-top display of love for someone who's in a rival gang, even if Wody is not HVH, right. you still hanging out and mm-hmm. rolling with HVH every day. To me, that was where the line was drawn. Like it could have been, "Hey, what's up? I don't got no beef mm-hmm. with, you, with you," but the the hug and the dap and the all of this, mm-mm. that was too much. And I think that's where murder would have had a problem. So that's where I have a problem. Him still being friendly with Pico, I don't have an issue with that because okay. personally, I wouldn't care. But the mm-hmm. rival gang stuff to me is the mm-hmm. thing. So we have a comment by Kendra about this. Miss Kology YouTube comment. And she says, especially with a nigga who constantly trying to out me to the world. Mm. And I agree with this, but I also that's think mm-hmm. I don't think that Wody knows that. No. Nope. Like I think, and <laughs> that's the problem. And I don't know if I was murdered that I would have said it, um, but it's like, I got beef, you got beef. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my, like, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you guys ever, that the one social media post where a dude was like his, I don't know, I think she was like 10. Like he pulled up to pick up his 10 year old daughter and she was like, yeah, I don't like such and such and blah, blah, blah. And his immediate reaction was like, oh shit, why I got beef with a 10 year old? What she do? Because <laughs> it was like, if you got beef, I got beef. Got beef. Mm-hmm. So I think a little bit of that is what murder would expect. Like if he knew that this happened, but cause I just think again, he don't, I don't think Wody knows any of that. Like that's, they've ne- Wody's never been around when it's happened. And just like when murder told him he only sucked dick one time, he probably told Wody, we just got in the fight. Wody was like, all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, you grew up with the dude. He's been hanging with us everywhere, but y'all just mm-hmm. want for no reason. Mm-hmm. No problem. Cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so I think it was kind of like that. But yeah, I just don't think he knows that. But I agree, Kay. Kendra. So we have some more, right? Mm-hmm. Let's, I don't know which one I want to do. do the, why did he help with the postcards? Okay. So Anjay says um, from, I think this is Twitter, yes. I wonder if Keyshawn wrote on that postcard and sent it, removing what Murder originally wrote. What if Keyshawn is growing a little thing for Murder? Or is she saving Uncle Clifford from heartbreak? <laughs> <laughs> That is so funny to me. That's why I wanted you to read that, uh, put it on the screen. Because I was like, uh, I don't even like to see them kissing. It's exactly. like disgusting when I see them so kissing. Nasty. And it shouldn't be. Because mm-hmm. they're like two beautiful, beautiful. people. Like yep. They should be like, oh, this is mm-hmm. sexy it's and so sensual. Nasty. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. not as so nasty. It is. It's I, it's so, it's, every time I'd be like, this is not right. This is, <laughs> is not the order it should be. This is terrible. So, and nothing about them gives me Everything about this has been friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. 
there's not there's nothing inappropriate what? that has happened on any side mm-hmm. and I feel like he's trying, trying to figure out her life. She she's trying to break out. Yeah. She got the abusive baby daddy. Even yeah. if she did like murder, that's not that is the furthest thing from her mind. No, nope. well, any of this. Well, and then too, Katori has done such a great job, and and the writers kind of making sure murder has made it clear. Like him saying, "Ugh, your kiss is sloppy." Mm-hmm. That tells us all we need to know, baby. He ain't interested in everything from Keyshawn. Me, I mean, he just, bleh. it's like Daffy <laughs> Duck in this hole. Baby, he don't want now her kisses, honey. So we get nothing sexual. No, um, nothing. Yeah, no. Right. So mm-hmm. I agree with that. Um, do we have time for one more at least? I, I mm-hmm. love this. Which one you want to do? Um... Ooh, what about what is that? Masks or skin color? Well, let's take a look. Let's take a look. <laughs> um, so Josh on Twitter said, Fragile Franny. Josh is hilarious. Fragile Franny was hella scared and was ready to press that button. But why though? Was it because of them wearing masks or was it because of the color of their skin? Well, Fragile Franny ain't got no mask on, so you could add devil's advocate that, even though that's not this section. Howsomever, nah, it's because they was black. (laughs) 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 Period. Not because they was black. Mm, John, what you want to say, John? Because you sure seem like you don't want to say because they was black up there. (laughs) Go ahead, sis. I definitely think it, they were two big buff black men and tank tops with bandanas. It was the combo plate, like yeah, that combo. you know. To be to be honest, like out when I was in Phoenix, and you know, people were just making masks out of anything, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. it was really a shock to see to be in the store at Walmart, and then you see a dude he's tied it up with his cap on, and he got a bandana tied around his whole face. Your first thought is, oh shit. And then you're like, oh, it's a mask. We have, to, we mask. have to wear a mask. Yeah. So <laughs> I feel like it's a combo plate. And then they came in, and, you know, I had just imagined this is a town where there's like two black people for every 10 white people. So mm-hmm. not only are these two black guys, but these are two random Negroes you've never seen before and they got two more out there in the car you know mm-hmm. two and, the, and and they half naked and they big and all that she just was like you know Keyshawn had her little situation on you know Girl. like I said they, and you know the more black skin they see the more fear that's in their hearts so okay. I really just feel like shit, it was a combo play. You, you know, know what? This is very true. But once he asked for that postcard, I would have been like, this is a soft, sweet teddy bear. Aww. I mean, that could have just been a, a, a little lead in to her getting robbed. Yeah. <laughs> so she put her head down right. and then he'd be like, give me all the money. And she'd be like, oh, God. <laughs> or you know how they tell y'all in the hood, if somebody asks you for the time, you don't tell them. Y'all right. know that, right? Like someone asks oh you for the time because yes. you look down. Why you can't let me you. be great, girl? Yes, I know about the hood. Girl, if you don't get off my nerves, come on, Jiggy. 
<laughs> so I think it was. I don't think it was the mask. I think it was a combination of them being men and it being a lot of them and skin color. Like mm-hmm. I, I have to imagine it's is hasn't always been safe for her. She's the she's a little kind of a small girl in here by herself. So you look up Aww. and you see four men. I understand her being a little bit nervous. Oh, fragile, fragile. So mm. it's, it's probably a little bit of racism in there. And they got bandanas over their face. So am I about to get robbed? So I shoot her a little bit of bail for being kind of nervous. I understand. But it was some racism in there also. It you, shoot, you shoot some. fragile Franny some bail. <laughs> right. Some. Now, now that's so say, sweet. I think being from Cali, if somebody walked in with a red bandana across their face, hey. I, I think it's up. <laughs> like, immediately, I think it's up. Black, white, otherwise, I'm like, oh, Would you okay. have pressed the button and asked questions later? Well, I probably would have had a mouse couture on me, so <laughs> I more likely than not would have been reaching for my mouse couture <laughs> just in case something popped off before I would have pressed that buzzer. Because if you in the country, no telling how long it's going to take the cops to give. That's so true. I oh have my personal protective device. Okay, so let's figure out if Fragile Franny gonna be the bottom bitch. (laughs) Not if Fragile Franny, the fact that we calling her Fragile Franny like it's normal, but she could be the bottom bitch. Like that's her name in. I don't have one this week. Y'all gotta talk. Yeah, I'm gonna let Ja go. Ja, Ja, go, oh, go, 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 go. I was trying to remember what I was thinking last night for the bottom bitch. And oh my God. You got Come it, back. girl. <laughs> There's so much in this episode. Um, yeah. I'm gonna just go ahead and give it to our girl, Keyshawn, as the Ooh. bottom bitch because I can't remember what I said last night. It was some inanimate object or something. But I'm gonna give it to. Keyshawn, because, you know, she really could have took a not my circus, not my monkeys approach to the situation, but, you know, or, you know, she, but she was really just like, hey, she was taking care of our boy. She was oiling his scalp. Mm-hmm. You know, she was mm-hmm. covering for him when the girlies was all over him and he was trying to, I she, like she had his back. She held him okay. down. And then she gave him that good, solid advice. Like, mm-hmm. baby, like you're, you're, you're little murder. What, say yeah. something on this card that's going to be life changing. Yes. Amen. Yeah. I like that, John. To my uncle. I like that. Oh my god, it was about to get worse than them goddamn texts. We going yeah. out? Like you that. coming? What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like yeah, that. She, she did her big one with that because yeah. I guess I miss you would not have been it. So, <laughs> leading off of that, the bottom bitch has to be my uncle. Like. Number one, she kind of manipulated, finessed, negotiated her way into getting the percentage of, of the club that she needed mm-hmm. to later on negotiate land access. Mm-hmm. Number two, she got on the stage and tore it down. Tore yes. it down. She did her yes. thing. Tore it. And the biggest thing for me that makes her the bottom bitch what? is at the end of this episode, she's in her room, pretty mm. and unbothered, 
with her aromatherapy <laughs> candles and her J roller. Amen. Just not mm-hmm. having a care in the world while this nigga is sending postcards from every that for me makes her the bottom bitch. Did you see her do the shimmy too? Mm-hmm. Right. She yep. gave a little shoulder. Little you walk, know that walk uh, away that she does. Oh, you love that. Is so sexy to me. I mm-hmm. be like, ooh, 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 uh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Every single yes. time. I don't know. Something about it. I don't know. Something about it. I agree with that. I love that bottom bitch. Um, I was going to say the bottom bitch were the postcards. Um just because just because postcards is really putting love back together you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. they doing their job you know like i didn't i didn't expect i didn't expect that but i really feel like i feel like we've lost ways to um be romantic and do beautiful gestures sometimes. And the fact that murder decided that the postcards was the way to do it. You texted them dumbass texts. You went to the door. Good sis still said, nah, absolutely not. And you could have just said, fuck it. I'm just going to go from city to city. Excuse me. I'm just going to go from city to city and not communicate. But just like the soldiers back during the war, when they would communicate back home to their loved ones, you are an old soul. You were bringing her along for the journey. And I think that shit is motherfucking beautiful. That is the ultimate words of affirmation, honey. Oh, I love it. I'm giving my bottom bitch to the motherfucking postcards, okay? What a way to mend good love. Amen. <laughs> Come on, Tia Bill. On an episode of Black Love real quick. Lord. Right. <laughs> Come on, Tia I still don't really have one. I think everyone's is... I, I, if I had to pick, it would have to be Keyshawn. Because we're going from how she even got herself on this tour, and all to me, Kishana is always constantly like surprising herself and then also surprising us. Like this is the first time we really see her perform, and then she gets out, she tears it up, and just the whole way she is like um, leading to me, she's leading the tour. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Quoting mm-hmm. manager, but she's really leading. And again, she's on her social media, which I'm sure is probably part of the reason they got so many coming out. Cause like she said in first, well, they ain't got no brand. They ain't got blue guap over there doing <laughs> cocaine every five minutes. <laughs> Wody over there doing whatever. Teak so up murder ass. He not, and he don't even know how to work the phone to do the social media. So constantly to me, and surprising herself, she's surprising us. And like y'all said. The way she came, got like immediately saw murder coming up to the door and saw the girls and was like, okay, I'm going to do this so I can get them out of there. Then mm-hmm. they sat there. She coached them through. It, it's just to me, I, I just love, I really just want to see more Keyshawn like this where she's bossing up um, mm-hmm. and understands like she sees what everyone else sees. And, uh, you know, we see the glimmers of that in times like this. But yeah, I think that she 
all of this is happening on the tour, everything else because of her. And um, except for, and you know, she's not even titled where she should be, but she's leading it, you know, even yeah. though she's scared, she's damn near fleeing from her boyfriend on this tour. But it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I gotta leave that at home. And mm-hmm. it's time to get to work. And she always mm-hmm. performs when it's time to perform. So, yeah. And I do want to add to piggybacking off of that. I think she learned a bit of that from Unk. You know, that mm-hmm. that caretaking, that um, making sure shit is handled. You know, I, I really do. You know, um, taking care of murder, making sure everything is together. Like you said, the girls and, you know, so I, th- I think because uh, she didn't learn it from her house. I mean, yes, she have her kids and everything, but I'm talking about as far as business, as far Mm -hmm. as business goes and making sure that is handled. Um, She showed a lot of that on the tour. So I like your uh, bottom bitches. Yeah, I think that was good. So. Okay. Well, I'm gonna close us out. <laughs> yes, Tia. you are <laughs> at Tia Gets Social on all the platforms. Make sure you are following our Twitter page as well as you have those notifications on because everything drops first on Twitter, and you don't want to miss one of these live episodes or any of our bonuses <laughs> or when something changes, like it's changing next week for our bonus episodes. So just make sure you are on our Twitter. Job, ja, what you got? I'm Ja underscore the underscore goddess on Instagram. Ja the goddess, all one word on Twitter. And keep your FBI eyes open because after we rewatch um, Jump in the Broom on Tuesday, we will be back at it like a crack addict on Thursday with the premiere on YouTube. Tanika? I am at your girl Jiggy on all the things. You can follow me wherever you don't already. You can also follow Pink Sunday Radio on Instagram and Threads. That's what it is, Threads also. Um, If you're looking for those bonus episodes that Ja was talking about, you can find those on PinkSundayRadio.com. That'll take you to Apple Podcasts. And while you're on Apple Podcasts, if you haven't already, if you could leave us a five-star written review, we would really appreciate it. Um, If you're watching this video right now live on YouTube, if you could like, comment, subscribe, turn your notifications on so you never miss a live video. Uh, Koji, what do you got to tell them? Um, I'm Koji Mama. You can follow me, same name, on IG and Twitter. Um, You can also subscribe to our newly launched uh, website pinksunday.com also make sure you are keeping up with our link tree pink sunday radio over there we make sure to update our interviews there um you can also subscribe to our website so you get those new articles that are posted as soon as they are uploaded that will be all thank you so much for watching and listening pink sunday Radio.